One of the fundamental things that we're charged with within finance is that strategic business advisor bringing insights to the business, both in terms of our overall strategic goals, but also the business unit goals that we directly support. You know, when you think about developing the forecast, understanding the plans, dealing with issues and opportunities, that's an area where we continue to see dramatic differences between the organizations that perform very well and those that don't. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Each episode shares our latest research, benchmarks, and best practices on world-class performance. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. I'm Nilia Sadis, your host for today's podcast, and my guest today is Brian Hall, Principal and Leader of Finance Transformation at the Hackett Group. I'll be guiding the discussion, providing context as needed, and as always, a full transcript of this episode can be found at podcast.thehackettgroup.com. Welcome, Brian. Good afternoon, Nelia. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you as well. Going into 2020, CFOs listed cost reduction and improving finance's role as a strategic advisor as their top objectives for the year. How do you see the pandemic changing the agenda for CFOs in 21? Boy, the beginning of 2020 seems so long ago now. When we think back to just last year, we were talking about the key issues that CFOs were facing. We were talking about most companies anticipated some sort of slowdown, but nothing to the scale of a, a global pandemic, of course, that we've been in. And we've been in the pandemic long enough to see how companies have been able to react and respond. And on a consistent basis, one of the things that we saw is the first thing CFOs really got their arms around was cash and liquidity preservation and making sure that the available arms of financing, making sure that they had access to cash, they had an understanding of their receivables, they secured, obviously, the employees and talked to their suppliers. The CFOs have really stepped up and been able to navigate, you know, as well as could be expected by and large. But as we've gone through it and the uncertainty that it's demonstrated, one of the things that it's put a lot of pressure on finance organizations is first trying to determine what the new level of their organization is going to be. What's our revenue? What's our demand going to be like? What are those types of things that are now going to be more permanent? You know, and that can be everything from reduced consumer demand to employees being remote to supply chain risk. And that really culminated, I think, for a lot of organizations at highlighting some of the things that really didn't work terribly well in their analytic environment in terms of their ability to forecast or reforecast or run different scenarios. They really highlighted things that we've been talking about for a number of years that we saw market differences between organizations that had really honed their digital infrastructure and those that at a typical organization that it still was very manual, very intensive, a high dependency on Excel. And it really, I think, set the tone as we're entering now the priorities for 2021 for CFOs and their organizations to highlight and continue to press on things around digital cloud transformations and their modern finance architecture. CFOs 
have always been an integral member of the senior executive team. Would you say that in their role, they've become even more critical as companies, as you were saying, attempt to navigate this likely protracted period of extreme uncertainty? No, it's a great question, Nellie. And the role of the CFO has always been pivotal to an organization. We've talked about the CFO of not just being the person that traditionally protects the assets of the organization, provides timely, accurate financial information, informs Wall Street of how they're performing, engages their employees, but also things like being the chief knowledge officer, the person looked to bring together information about the business, to be a strategic partner across all types of decisions and organizations making. But one of the things that really brought the CFO to the forefront in this crisis was that uncertainty around so many variables, right? If you think about almost everything became uncertain, health and welfare of our employees, the supply chain, access to capital, new government programs that had to be learned and internalized, the condition of our receivables, our understanding of what our consumers continue to buy, all of those things passed through the CFO for their point of view of what they needed to do. And when we think about the importance of the overall leadership team, that constant communication, that dependence on accurate information as much as possible, that's one of the things that we were talking about in the intro that we really have been impressed with how CFOs have really stepped into that role so clearly, but it's not been without a cost. Very, very high fatigue on their teams, a lot of demand, a lot of manual activities that didn't used to be performed. I think uh, just a, a disruption in what it means to close the books virtually. How do I conduct an audit with a remote group? How do I do physical inventories? Many of these things continue to be open questions and issues that our CFOs are being called upon to answer because there's just not really a precedent of having to lead through this period of time. At the same time, business is continuing, right? We've seen a ton of acquisitions. We've seen a lot of organizations really go through and assess their funding mechanisms to think about what they want to be doing. And of course, the normal things like product innovation, how are we doing on hiring? What are our capital commitments? All of that continues to be a normal demand on top of those extraordinary demands that the pandemic placed on CFOs. When we talked about the differentiator between finance organizations that did very well and those who struggled, one of the points you were making had to do with digital transformation and whether what progress they've made in order to get to a higher level of automation to support the things you were just talking about, remote work, etc., Despite the rising cost pressures we see in the market, we also see a lot of finance organizations powering forward or even accelerating adoption of technologies such as smart automation and master data management. In your work with clients, what kind of projects are you seeing being fast-tracked and why do you think that's the case? No, it's a, been a very interesting study for us. Obviously, our work tends to be project-oriented. And when we looked at cash preservation, one of the things that a lot of companies evaluated were the projects they continued. And so before we get to acceleration, the projects that were related to digital transformations, moving to the cloud, updating our modern finance architecture, machine learning, cognitive, RPA type initiatives, 
These are things that companies by and large continued throughout the pandemic. Discretionary projects of things, of new things they were about to start tended to be sidelined, but across the board, across industries, we found that digitally enabling projects continue. And when we look at the reasons for that, we see the reasons and the results, which are digitally enabled organizations or organizations that are achieving the level of what we now are defining as digital world-class are achieving much better results in terms of business decision-making, their engagement as business partners, overall responsiveness to crises. And obviously we have one for the ages that we're living through now, but also things like talent engagement the retention of key employees, the building of those skills. And all of those things together, I think, are held not just by the finance organization, but CEOs as well. And I think leadership teams collectively recognize the importance of timely, accurate, moving to real-time information about focused values that we have as an organization help us collectively move at speed and strategically And those are critical enablers for all businesses across all industries. We talked a little bit about the early immediate response that CFOs and finance organizations had to the outbreak of the pandemic. More recently, we've been seeing leaders thinking more strategically about how to build a sustainable operating model so they can emerge perhaps stronger and more higher performing into the new or next normal. What are some of the trends you see in terms of how finance is organizing itself to become the future finance function? It's one of the things that we've talked about the delivery model for finance, the operating model for a number of years. Organizations have now been plunged into, for all practical purposes, a virtual delivery model on top of the things that we've talked about in the crisis. And so A lot of questions about traditional organizations, about where work should be performed. Should I use a captive? Should I consider outsourcing? Should I use nearshore or farshore? How do I leverage across our own internal portfolio? Have really tended to be functionally oriented, right? I think our research shows that about half the organizations in their operating model tend to be very focused on just their function. And one of the things that has always been true, but has been especially highlighted is as I move into an understanding of what's required by our organization going forward, I recognize that I need skills on an ongoing basis that I may have done just as projects before. And some of those skills, if you think about agile project teams, resources that I can stand up on a moment's notice to help address a problem or take advantage of an opportunity or participate in an improvement project. Digital resources, and I'm using that term obviously very, very broadly. The people in our organization that understand how do I think about RPA? How do I navigate the cloud? How do I move information into a data lake and extract it? How do I make learnings and information available across the overall organization? Facilitating dialogue, empowering kind of negotiation and working across groups. Exogenous data, something that, you know, we really think about how much of our information now is coming in from sources other than a traditional ledger type orientation of our results. And all of those skill sets, as we think about them across an organization, apply to multiple functions. 
There's no reason I need a project team that just supports finance and a different one for IT. And, you know, I have one group following methodology A and one group following methodology B and this group's lean six sigma, this group's an agile group. These are all things that I think really, as we've talked about virtual and how we've moved forward, we've recognized there's an opportunity to provide those services at an enterprise level. And that's very exciting because if you think about it, at an employee level, the breadth of projects that you might get involved with, the chances for advancement, the overall staffing, the le- relative engagement and retention that we see. You know, so it's a lot of press out there about, oh, I need a data scientist. Okay, well, in a classic organization, you put the data scientist where? What's the career path for the data scientist? How do they advance? How do they get trained? How do they manage people and have opportunities? And these things really brought to the fore those skills of enterprise services across the board. But secondarily, one of the fundamental things that we're charged with within finance is that strategic business advisor bringing insights to the business, both in terms of our overall strategic goals, but also the business unit goals that we directly support. You know, when you think about developing the forecast, understanding the plans, dealing with issues and opportunities, That's an area where we continue to see dramatic differences between the organizations that perform very well and those that don't. And when we keep in mind that for a typical organization that's over a third of their collective spend as a finance organization, getting that right has never been more critical. We talked at the open about the dynamic of continuous planning, constant updates, scenario planning, our legacy systems not working. All of that resides in that business partner role. And depending on how well I've done in developing that and integrating it into our operating model has really set how well my organization collectively has been able to navigate the pandemic and is positioned to exit. So those are the things that we see as really doing our core remit phenomenally well but leveraging those enterprise services and making available skills and talent and capability that heretofore we've not had in an organized way in our operating model. It's very interesting because it picks up on a theme that I wanted to explore with you. The research we've done shows that the biggest disruption to finance operations was the inability to keep up with the pace of change and a difficulty addressing demand for management for more forward-looking information. Both of these relate to your decision support, strategic business advisor role that finance must play. Do you have any advice on how finance teams can evolve or flex their analytics capabilities? That's a great question, Nelly, and one that we're spending most of our time with heads of FP&A and CFOs in leadership teams. And I want to break the question down into a few parts because, as we said, we didn't get here because we weren't aware of the demands on our organizations. We are kind of inheriting the legacy decisions we've made around investments, the roles that we've had finance professionals play where they're involved in the close and then half the month they support business partners. And we've changed org models throughout the years of being direct line and dotted line. And so it's been an ever-changing landscape for a typical finance organization. And so we are where we are. But unfortunately, we find too many organizations 
tend to report what has happened as opposed to providing any insight as to what's likely to happen, so kind of predictive. And as we really want to go forward, we want to be proactive in identifying opportunities to make things happen. So really strategic modeling, thinking out and beyond those areas. And when we talk to organizations, we tend to learn several things are not there to enable it. Time is one of the most critical. Their time is consumed with moving information, reformatting things, manually holding together the infrastructure or producing the reports. We find fragmentation in how things look. A general manager A wants to see something in a particular A. General manager B wants to see something. And it's quite interesting that something that's very high engagement for us at this point is just something as straightforward as I'm overwhelmed by the number of reports and views of information that I'm producing for my business. How do I run those down? And as you know, in our world-class group, they operate at a fraction of the number of management reports that the peer organizations do. And that, that sounds very tactical. But when we think about the implication of saying, I have all of these wonderful tools to make information available in close to real time across my organization, I still have to have my organization focus. And that goes back to the value cascade of understanding how do we create value and how does that link to each of the measures and KPIs that we use as a business and ensure that what we're reporting, what we're projecting, what we're forecasting are all linked to that cascade. But I'll go back to the architecture question because this is the one that really becomes overwhelming when we're talking to CFOs. We have a graphic and I I wish I could hold it up for the group. We call it our modern finance architecture. And it shows for a typical finance organization, here are 30 boxes of things that all comprise the architecture your finance team uses to pull together transactional information, to pay suppliers, to pay employees, to provide analytics, to bring in external data, all of those things and how they come together and ultimately are presented back. And the question that we ask CFOs today is, If we put this up on the wall or or showed it to you, could you tell us who in your organization is responsible for each component of these boxes? You know, and in fairness, one of the things is most organizations don't have that person, right? They have hundreds of people that own a little bit of that or don't even own a little bit. They're dependent on the organization to bring them together. So first is the recognition that I need someone to own the finance architecture along with the enterprise architecture to make sure that I'm working in a cohesive way. Second goes back to the operating model component you have. I need a team of dedicated professionals who have the capacity to monitor changes in the cloud. What are my ERP providers changing? What are the disruptors of software as a service that I could rapidly deploy? What things am I doing around smart automation And what should I be doing in smart automation? What platform decisions am I taking? What am I putting in the data lake and why? How do I deliver information back to our teams? And how do I reduce duplicative effort across our organization so that we're building the skills on those platforms to continue to sustain what we do as an organization? And I know that it sounds extraordinarily complicated, but it's how each of the pieces start to fit together in very tangible ways. First, I have to understand my architecture. 
B, I have to understand who in my organization has the skills and capability to help me understand and be responsible for that architecture. Three, I have to identify the people in my organization that are going to be monitoring and driving innovation and understand how I measure and output or record how those organizations do in the contributions that they're making. And then finally, I've got to build the skills and talent within my team to actually use these things so that we're not just doing the things the way that we've always done them, but actually bringing new insights to our organizations. The biggest tragedy that we see in our projects, Nilly, is that we will talk to business partners through and their customers through executive interviews or through our stakeholder surveys. And one of the questions we ask is that, does finance provide you insight into something you knew or didn't know already? Predominantly what we hear from the businesses that we support as finance is that they're confirming things I already knew typically days before. And that's unacceptable. And as we know, and we can see the priorities for CFOs, that's a reason that digital, modern finance architecture, master data management, and how I do better in planning and forecasting remain the highest priorities for finance organizations because they get, that's a huge loss that they're not providing new insight back to their customers. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for joining me today. It was great to hear about some of the priorities for CFOs going into the next normal. It's been a pleasure, Nelly. Enjoyed the dialogue. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can write us an email at podcast at And if you like this episode, please share it. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackitgroup.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. The Hackett Group is the global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackettgroup.com.